Welcome to the Women's Mentoring Network of Canada, a podcast about ex-cadet women mentoring and building community together. I'm your host, Amanda Calhouse, a graduate of the Royal Military College of Canada, class of 1994 in electrical engineering. So good evening. Today I have with me on the podcast, Heather Reven. How are you today, Heather? Good. Thanks for having me on, Amanda. It's great to have you, and um, I'm excited because you're one of the youngest people that we've had on the podcast, and I, uh, I say that jokingly, but it's, uh, it's great to have someone who graduated in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you can tell our listeners a little bit about when you did go to uh, military college and when you graduated and what you studied. Yeah, so I started in 2001, and I graduated in uh, 2005. And that was at uh, RMC Kingston. I did chemical engineering, and now I'm posted to Ottawa. Awesome. So I guess technically you've actually already been in for close. Are you closing in on 20 years now then? So it's I, really I not I'm that young. No offense. 21. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. <laughs> it's funny, actually. I went back for our five-year reunion uh, years ago, and one of the first years there like, came over to our group and said, you know, how old are you guys? And I said, well, or like, what year did you graduate? I said, well, five years ago. And he's like, that's so old. And I thought, you know, we're, <laughs> oh, we're no. literally the youngest, youngest class here celebrating. Yeah. Our <laughs> Only like 30 or so, 25 or something at the time. But uh, anyway, so it is funny. It's all relative, I guess. It is all relative. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that I'm approaching 30 years since my uh, <laughs> graduation. So <Yeah. laughs> it is all relative. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so 20 years, I guess I did 20 years this summer. So I'm at 20 and a half. Okay. Or so, yeah. That's right, because we are in mm-hmm. 2022 now. Crazy to think. <laughs> I know. And so we didn't get, I didn't get offered the 20 year uh, engagement. So I'm on the 25 year uh, contract right now until 2026. All right. So you still have a little bit of time to go mm-hmm. <laughs> before you have to yeah. make another decision, right? That's right. Yeah. So speaking of decisions, let's talk about what got you to RMC in the first place. How did you end up deciding to study there? Yeah, so I mean, I'm part of a military family. My dad, he retired as chief warrant officer in the infantry, and he was the uh, RSM of the ceremonial guard in Ottawa here. And so I guess we grew up kind of um, through a few postings. I mean, we were fortunate not to have too many. I was born in, uh, in Victoria. He was working at railroads as a DSM. And then uh, moved to Chilliwack. We were there for a couple of years. And um, we really loved BC, but, uh, you know, he had this great last posting as the RSM, so he couldn't pass it up. So we ended up uh, retiring in Ottawa. And my mom was a nurse. So my sister and I just, we ended up getting involved in Army cadets, and we did that for a number of years, and we really enjoyed it and found that we had a really good experience. We both went to Banff, Alberta for summer, and, you know, it taught me how to whitewater kayak and how to rock climb and we just got to hike around some of the most amazing scenery for free. And wow. so, you know, that was just such a positive experience. And not to mention there was cadets from all over the country and there was some exchange cadets there. So I just really loved meeting people from all different you know, parts of the world. Yeah. So I guess RMC seemed like a bit of a natural progression. My sister ended up getting in and going for a couple of years. And so I'd go and visit her and she just seemed like she had this really great group of friends and really enjoyed what she was doing. But I almost did go to Queens because I had a few friends going there and really interested in the concurrent education program. And okay. I had really been interested in being a teacher. But I thought, well, 
you know, maybe it'd be better to go to RMC and have have some military experience before I become a teacher. And uh, but yeah, I was quite torn. <laughs> and that was twenty years ago. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, it's funny because I said to my dad, he said, "Well, you can choose whatever you want. You know, it's your choice." And I said, "Okay, well, you know, I think I might uh, might go to Queens then because um, you know it sounds like a good good option." <laughs> And he said, well, are you sure you, you really considered RMC enough? Because uh, it's a really great opportunity. <laughs> anyway, so in the end, it was my decision. But, uh, yeah, I did uh, I did choose RMC, you know, partly to be with my sister as well. And uh, I just figured, well, at least I won't have this student debt. And, you know, it'll be a little bit easier that way. And it's only five years, you know, commitment. So, yeah. Were you and your sister at RMC at the same time for a little while? Yeah, so for two years. So she was two oh, years wow. ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that's happened very often in the last 40 years at RMC, where there have been sisters at the same college at the same time. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was there was a few other siblings for sure. And in fact, there was one other girl who was not our sister, but everyone thought we were siblings just because we looked alike. And <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, it was always, uh, yeah, people were always thinking we were related, but um yeah, no, it was really neat to have her there. And, you know, I got to know other people through her and that sort of thing, which was nice. Yeah. And it was oh, totally different. Um, like I'd gone to an arts high school in Ottawa. So it was kind of from totally different extremes. But yeah, I was able Did to say kind of fulfill an, that. An arts, an arts high school? Yeah. And then you went into chemical engineering. So were you yeah. like, obviously you had all the prerequisites to do that. But was it just where you live? That was sort of the... The focus so I lived of the high actually school? pretty far. I don't know. I don't remember in the end. You know, I think my mom always tried to get us into good opportunities where we could find them. And somehow we'd heard about this high school. I mean, it's actually about an hour from where we lived because we lived south of Ottawa oh, in wow. Osgoode. And uh, it's on Walkley. Um, well, it took an hour on the bus anyway. So we'd heard about this high school. And anyway, my sister auditioned and ended up getting in. And so same thing. I kind of followed her there. So it was just like an extra program on top of your regular high school credits. So okay. we took we both took singing, and it just started an hour earlier than the rest of the school, and oh, four okay. year four year program of the arts. And then at the time we were doing OAC, and you didn't take the arts program during that last year. So people that lived in the area could go to that high school and not audition for the arts and didn't have to do an arts program. Yeah. Um, but anyone in, in Ottawa can audition. Yeah, yeah, we had we had, there's a similar um I don't I don't know my, even though my kids go to the public school board, I know the Catholic school board has an arts program in one of the schools nearby cuz one of my daughter's best friends uh, auditioned and and goes mm-hmm. there. But uh yeah, I I never really looked into it because it wasn't something my kids were interested in. They were they mm-hmm. were in French and and other things, but um yeah, how interesting to go from that into to engineering at RMC. Um, was it a, a, a smooth transition? <laughs> yeah, well, kind of. I mean, I really uh, I really did love the science and math and stuff at the high schools, and I felt like I was doing well in those classes. So, you know, I had a lot of really good teachers that really uh, encouraged me to go for that engineering program, I guess. But it was definitely a big shock going from, you know, I think our high school was good quality in terms of um, schooling, but I just remember first year engineering thinking, like, wow, I'm, I'm really not that smart. I mean, I was doing really well in high school and I'm doing really poorly here. But I think part of the problem was I 
in high school, I was able to kind of do a lot of the extracurricular activities and still do school. And at RMC, I found that was a bit harder to do both and do well at both, I guess. (laughs) I found the more I've been in industry and the more I've met other engineers that, that studied at civilian university, the more I've learned that in first and second year, those engineers don't tend to do anything except engineering. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because later at RMC, I ended up being on the uh, in the engineer. We had an engineer society. I don't know if you had that when you oh, were there, okay. but and it was kind of cool because I got to do a couple conferences, and uh, you know, we traveled hmm. to Saskatoon at one point, and I think Victoria. So I met other engineers from other universities, and you know, they had like one elective per year, and I remember thinking we had something like. 11 or maybe it was total over the whole the whole four years but I just remember thinking yeah like we're taking a lot of these extra courses and yeah still doing fourth year calculus um yeah seems like a bit <laughs> a bit much <laughs> yeah it was definitely a well-rounded education <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah fast forward to, to today you, you mentioned mm. you're in Ottawa what currently fills your days yeah, so, well, I have three kids, and I'm uh, married to uh, a service spouse, Jonathan Hubble, and, um, yeah, three kids are Violet, she's eight, Mike is six, and Zeke is three, so they keep us pretty busy. Um, yeah. We're both working, my spouse and I are both working at Army Headquarters, which is really nice that we're both in the same location, yeah. both at Carlin Campus, so, because as you know, Ottawa's very spread out, and... Um, you know, even if you're posted to the same city, you can uh, spend a lot of time commuting and stuff. So we're quite happy to be, uh, yeah, together in the headquarters in, in different sections. So I'm uh, the staff officer to the Army commander right now, and um, my husband's in uh, the director of land force uh, development. Excellent. All right. So the commander of the Army headquarters, you're the staff officer for that role. So I don't think we mentioned, what is your military occupation? Because uh, I think in that job you could be yeah. you could be many different occupations. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a combat engineer, and uh, okay, excellent. So maybe tell us a little bit about sort of how did you get from combat engineer graduating at RMC to staff officer at Army headquarters? What sort of path has your career taken? Yeah. Um, okay, so after graduation, I started my uh, phase training in Gagetown, um, and for us that was quite a long training, it was almost a year. So in the summer, we taught reserve engineer courses, and then we started the training in the fall, and it finished in May. So I found that kind of long, just because, you know, it's a long time to be on course and kind of uh, a lot of unknowns. You couldn't really, you know, we signed up for some extracurricular activities like hockey and um, actually did a break dancing course with a friend just to wow. do something totally <laughs> non-military um, at UNB. But, uh, but it was hard to you know, plan things because you never knew with the schedule. So anyway, I was really excited to just be posted at the end of that. And I was looking forward to leaving Gagetown because I'd had, you know, an okay experience, but I was ready to say goodbye. So I was posted to Edmonton, which I was really happy about because I had loved the Rockies doing that time in Banff. And I really wanted to get back into some of those outdoors activities. And also my sister had been posted there. So again, it was kind of interested in following her and being uh, being close to her. So, But then I got tasked back right away to teach on a course in Gagetown. Oh, wow. Which I was a little bit disappointed about just because I was ready to kind of move on. But it was a pretty good experience because, you know, I felt like I had really nothing to pass on to anybody having just finished my phase training. Um, mm. 
and I was teaching the common army phase, so that was a phase two. Uh, but it turned out a lot of those um, people were like reserve reservists who, you know, maybe didn't have that much experience beforehand or had, you know, other experience. But uh, it was a really diverse group as well. And I realized that even, you know, the experience I had, I was still able to pass things on and I was still able to lead them through the training. So in the end, it was a good experience. But um, my CEO had directed us all to uh, do the mountain man competition, which was a big race in Edmonton. And so I had to be posted back. I had to do my posting around that competition. <laughs> so I oh, leave the course I was teaching a week early, do my move. Um, you know, I drove to Edmonton in three and a half days and then kind of drove straight to the unit, dropped off my rucksack, got it weighed. And then, uh, you know, everyone was kind of wondering, like, who's this person? <laughs> yeah. you, what unit are, What unit are you at? So, because I hadn't, I'd only checked into one. It was one combat engineer regiment that I was uh, posted to, and um, anyway, I had to do the the race the next day at you know four in the morning. That was quite a long race, like thirty two kilometers uh, wreck running, and then eight k canoeing, and uh, three kilometers with two sandbags. That was particularly hard, and then um, like a six k run at the end. And then I think I had a weekend, and then I was promptly sent on exercise. Um, you know, for the next month. Oh my month. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Not even time to unpack your apartment, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, exactly. So yeah, like stuff was everywhere. And uh, I remember I got to November and I hadn't taken a single day of leave. And they said, well, how, how do you still have all your leave? I said, well, you keep tasking me on these different <laughs> courses and stuff. Um, yeah, but you know, it was good being, it was good being an exercise. And um, yeah, that was around the time they decided to pl- deploy the uh, tanks. Uh, to Afghanistan so oh wow pretty quickly like it was a Friday they told us that we had to set up a lab range for the Monday in order to get the armored engineer vehicles you know ready to deploy like as soon as possible and apparently I was the only one that was qualified to do that which I found surprising Uh, but because the labs at the time were I guess somewhat new not everyone had that uh, course so so basically it was kind of my first week on the job hadn't met my troop told them I had to, you know, we had to set up this range, which was a pretty big task. And it was a Friday in Shiloh, a base I'd never been to before. So I was really thankful for those who were posted there, who were able to, you know, kind of help me out. And and I had one sergeant that I kind of had worked with a bit before, and he was really good about just, he's like, don't worry, I told them you're good to go and we'll get this (laughs) done. And so, yeah, I was really, really thankful for that team. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, sorry, I'm going with a long, uh, long version no. of getting me to Ottawa. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. How long did you st- spend at the Wind Combat Engineers? Um, so I was there for two years, but it kind of flew by because after that we went on tour. So I was able to be, oh, okay. you know, at the time you were really lucky if you were able to go on tour. So, um, I mean, a lot of people were were going, but you know, I didn't want to miss out, I guess. So I yeah. was set to go on Task Force 108 as a duty officer. Which, you know, initially I was disappointed because I wanted to go as a troop commander. But in the end, the duty officer job was really great. And I ended up seeing, you know, a lot from the tactical operations center. And, um, you know, I was able to, I guess, just see everything going on across the province, but still be in relative safety, which, you know, at the time I I didn't want that. I wanted to be out (laughs) doing doing my thing as a troop commander. But I I guess I am grateful for for just that uh, you know, being able to make it through uh, unscathed and while still being able to kind of see and get the experience of, of what was happening. So 
Yeah, I mean, after that tour, it would seem like it was a time to be posted. So I had I'd asked Ottawa just to be a bit closer to my family. And I worked at the old Operational Support Command, which is uh, Kenoskam. We were mainly dealing with pre-deployment training for engineers, getting future engineer units set to go to Afghanistan. Okay. That was called Tropical Hammer, and that was in Jamaica. Kind of, So we worked, ended up working with a Jamaican oh, wow. Defense Force as well. Yeah. Um, it was mainly the construction engineers, so they would work with the the Jamaicans, and uh, they'd actually build, you know, help them build their schools and training facilities and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then I also worked on the uh, support requirements for the troops deployed in um the Olympics in 2010 in BC, and that was an amazing experience because I was just happy to be back in uh, in British Columbia, and yeah, just doing everything with the Olympics was was really awesome. Did the forces have a large contingent of people that were supporting the Olympics, or was it relatively have, small? And I just happened to know a few people who did that. <laughs> they did happen to have quite a large contingent, I would say, and. Um, yeah, it was it was nice too because I was with um, you know I'd say a purple unit, so it wasn't just army mm. stuff, which I appreciated. So I had a chance to kind of work with Air Force and, and Navy personnel, so that was really interesting for me. And you know we got one day off a week normally if we could, and I would be able to go up to the ski hill and ski beside you know Olympians, and I got tickets to the Paralympic opening games, and actually sat beside a bunch of injured troops who I had been tracking like when they had been injured they'd been in Afghanistan at the same time as me and so I was you know I was really moving to be beside them and see that you know how they at least recovered you know enough to get to those games and yeah it was just really really great to be to be there for that yeah it sounds like a a pretty memorable experience Mm -hmm. to be part of what did you do um, after that tour in Ottawa yeah so it felt like a short posting because all of a sudden they were talking. I felt like I just got posted from, from Edmonton, but um, they said, well, it's time to go back to the regiment. Um, so I said, well, maybe Petawal would be good because it's a bit closer and I don't have to move all the way back to Edmonton again. Um, you know, and it's somewhere I never really wanted to go before, but um, mm. I really enjoyed my time there. And I think I just went thinking, okay, well, you know, at that point, I'd never gotten back into whitewater kayaking, which had been one of my dreams. So, and Petaluma oh. has actually a lot of um, whitewater there. So, whitewater, yeah. Yeah, so I was really, um, I, I basically went, drove there first day and went to the um, the kayaking lessons kind of in the local park there and said, like, I want to get started right away. <laughs> I said, well, when, when did you move here? Just now, two minutes ago. Just, just <laughs> all my stuff's in my car still. Um, I mean, I didn't really know anybody there, so it was kind of just, yeah, just wanted to throw myself in. So that was really good because that became uh, something that I did a lot when I was there. Yeah, and then just a lot of outdoorsy things to do. And uh, I mean, it was a bit unfortunate because when I got there, a lot of people were on tour, so I felt like I didn't Mm. get to meet uh, a little bit. uh, The base was kind of, you could tell it was vacant a bit. A lot of people were gone. Um, Right. Yeah, but so then I met my husband in 2011. Um, he's an RCR officer, and we had our first two kids there. Um, and I was working at uh, at two combat engineer regiment as a squadron, two IC. And I was in the light field squadron, so a lot of walking. And we were, you know, setting up to be the high readiness squadron and for potential deployment, but uh, didn't end up getting deployed. Um, we did do a, a really interesting exercise in Norway. Uh, it's cold response, mm. and that was really neat because my husband's 
actually went as well with his uh, unit. So we made a little bit of a trip out of it afterwards and we traveled around Scandinavia and met up with a friend of mine who lives in Finland. And yeah, so I really appreciated all the traveling <laughs> I've got to do with the military. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the bonuses. Yeah, I, I think you have to, I would say that's one of the things, you know, that you can take away from a, a military career, right, is some of the places that you get to visit and see mm-hmm. that, you know, might be a little bit more off the beaten track. Mm-hmm. Like Shiloh, Manitoba. No, just kidding. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we had our first child there. Um, that was when I was the adjutant. And then uh, I went back as the uh, the G1 for the brigade. So dealing with a lot of personnel issues and uh, challenges. And then um, I guess we had had my second child there as well, Micah. And, and then at that point, I guess, you know, we were supposed to stay in Petawawa, but it was seeming like there was no job for Jonathan. So, you know, they kind of suggested, well, how about Gagetown? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to go back to Gagetown, but, um, but it turned, you know, my sister was actually posted there at the time. And so I thought, well, that's, I guess, another opportunity to be close to, you know, her and her family and she had two kids, uh, the time as well so and Jonathan's family's from uh east coast so okay we just decided you know what okay we'll we'll do it and um it's kind of a big move but the kids were young so it wasn't a huge huge impact for them yeah but you know it's kind of a tough choice just first of a few for being a service couple but in the end I'm really happy with the way it worked out and yeah I think that job in Ed Forius ended up being kind of one of my highlights so far just because I really enjoyed uh, all the work there at the engineer uh, regiment. What what kind of things made it a highlight then? So I mean it's funny because I started as a combat support squadron OC and uh, you know in my mind that was wasn't again my first choice because I was looking for kind of something more like the field squadron type thing but that was really really good for me because I really got a really good understanding of the um, the maintainers and logistics, and that really set me up well for my next uh, for the next squadron. And I would like to even stay longer in that job, but um, anyway, it worked out. I I moved over to four uh, two squadron, which is the horizontal construction squadron, and they have the um, the bridging assets and all the heavy equipment and the field troop, mm-hmm. which is all stuff I had not dealt with at all in my career <laughs> so far. Um, right. And I mean, that was a thing I was a little bit nervous about. It's just, it just seemed like every time I got to a engineer regiment, I was starting again, you know, at a new unit. So that was a bit of a challenge. But um, what I really liked is that they were, you know, first, they were the ones who were on call for responding to a DART uh, deployment and okay. the immediate response unit for the Atlantic region. Um, so there was a lot of on-call stuff, but it was helping you know, local people, real world issues, like it seemed just really interesting in that, uh, in that respect. Um, and I really liked that they did like every year they did this big exercise where they went somewhere in kind of the Atlantic area and worked on, you know, actual projects that people could use afterwards. Oh, um, wow. yeah. So from, so in my, when I was in the uh, 4-2 squadron, we went to Cape Breton and we did a whole, um, we, basically there was a, a bridge that had been washed out, like a walking bridge in the Warren Lake okay. um, Trail. 
and they asked us if we could build a suspension bridge across that. And um, it sounds easier than it was. <laughs> it was like a 30-foot 30, <laughs> 30 bridge, and, um, you know, I'm no help because I'm a chemical engineer and don't remember <laughs> anything about that either. But uh, and my 2IC was a computer engineer, but uh, luckily the troop commander had some civil engineering background. So he, um, we had these plans from like 40 years ago, and we had to oh, try wow. to figure out all the equipment and, you know, does this design still stand and go through that whole process. And, um, you know, it was November, so the weather was really not great. And then they still tried to, you know, it was still kind of a tactical scenario. So we still had to do it as if we were, you know, in a potential war-torn place. So that was quite a big challenge. And we were getting to the point where we almost thought we wouldn't finish it, which was, you know, really demoralizing for the troops because we were getting... Yeah. kind of getting close to Christmas. So we were talking about people oh, staying, man. you know, into Christmas and that sort of thing. And um, anyway, but nothing like a good, uh, you know, time crunch to motivate everyone to get it done. So they worked through the nights a few nights and uh, managed to finish it. And yeah, so if anyone's in Cape Breton, it's still standing now. And uh, now I was just really That's proud awesome. of the team because, yeah, they just, they worked so hard on it and it was really you know, and it, to complicate matters, like the month before, my sergeant major and I and a bunch of our squadron had been deployed to Latvia to build um, the rest of the, uh, basically an extension on the camp that was there oh, okay. in Adagi, Um because they ended up having more people coming through um, just when they do the reliefs in place and that sort of thing. So they had sent us for about a month to go set up a camp there. So that, that was really interesting, too, because um, I got a chance to see you know, the Latvian base without, yeah. without having to be there necessarily. For nine for the months. Full, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I just really liked that there was a lot of different experiences. Yeah, one of my one of my coworkers in my day job is, uh, her husband is a reservist and um, actually, no, I think he's, he, he's Reg Force, sorry. He's Reg Force and I think he was in Latvia over, I don't know if it was this Christmas or last Christmas. I, the days okay. have started to run together yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, no, so there was just a lot of, I felt like, really interesting, um, I don't know, different experiences there. I had a really good uh, commanding officer, um, which I can talk more about later in mentorship, but um, and the fact that we were closer to his parents made it a bit uh, more helpful because we were often gone at different times or at the same time. Um, yeah yeah Yeah, with two young kids and you have a third was that during that time that you were yeah so um I switched yeah so we I we did get pregnant with our third and ended up um, switching to a different squad and I think partly partly to give the experience but partly to sort of give me a break for my final uh final days but um that was with the counter ID uh squadron and that was I mean I was really happy about that because I'd never had that opportunity to um, work in that stream either. Um, it was a bit difficult because it was just my final <laughs> kind of days of pregnancy, but um, yeah, but it was still, you know, enough that I got some exposure, which was really good. Um, and that's when we had to deploy the uh, expedient group opening uh, capability as trainers to the Iraqis. So in uh, on oh, up wow. impact. So, you know, again, that was a big challenge, just trying to uh, make sure that was all, right away in time uh, before I went on uh, mat leave. Um, yeah, well, kind of acting as the CO and DCO for part of the time. 
Um, yeah, but then I was able to take my mat leave after that. Um, and at the end of that mat leave, I was, uh, we were posted to Toronto so I could look, uh, go on staff college in, uh, at CFC in Toronto. Um, and that was, you know, it was tough to leave or We had a great house and a great neighborhood and <laughs> a great kind yeah. of support network there. Um, but, uh, I just really wanted to do the year in Toronto and, everyone had talked about how it was just an amazing experience and being with everybody there. And, um, Jonathan had already done his JCSP. He ended up doing it by distance learning, uh, because it just wasn't going to line up for us to do it at the same time. And we didn't want to do, uh, you know, impose restriction to be a part. So, uh, he kind of took the hit for that, which I appreciated, but I kind of figured it well from Toronto for mine and hopefully he can kind of participate in some of the, activities and stuff yeah that's true yeah and so you know that was really yeah really good experience um I found I mean it, it kind of was a, a bummer that the pandemic um came in in March of my uh of my course because I've been told that the last semester is kind of the the most fun and you know right. it's a little less busy academically so um yeah. but I managed to finish my master's which was good and then we're posted to Ottawa in the uh, pandemic so so yeah so I started my job um initially as the uh g342 which is um and double had it as the engineer support coordination center so mainly dealing with kind of resources and allocating resources within the army um okay. but then my secondary job being all the sort of army engineer challenges um you know helping fill if um, engineers are needed on tour or sorting out any kind of systemic things that the engineers are dealing with in the army. Um, yeah, so I was happy in that job. It was a, you know, it was considered a high range job, which is good for progression. Um, but I felt okay with not being, um, you know, in the executive teams just because I saw a lot of my friends doing it and it was quite busy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I had kind of consciously made that decision beforehand not to, kind of put my hand up for that. Uh, so then I asked my career manager, I said, you know, am I staying in this job? Because I really, I really feel like it's good for me to just have some stability and, and, and for the position as well. I said, Oh yeah, you're, you're staying. Yeah. No problem. Um, you know, for a year and a half. And then a week later, a <laughs> week later. Came to me <laughs> and said, we're moving you down to be, uh, to be the staff officer. And actually, I mean, I asked if she was kidding. She said, well, no, why would I be kidding? I said, oh, I don't know. I just was surprised, <laughs> I guess. Because <laughs> it was right before Christmas. And uh, yeah, anyway, so um, anyway, that's, yeah, that was my road to to that job. But I mean, I have learned a lot and it's been, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting uh, year. I bounced around a bit and was the executive assistant to the deputy army commander for a couple months, as well as the acting EA for the army commander. So it's given me really good exposure to everything at the strategic level. I've also appreciated the mentorship I've had from those I've worked for and the understanding of our family life. Since a lot of meetings are happening virtually, I've been able to work remotely at times, which has made a huge difference in order to balance the family. So even though it wasn't what I initially asked for, and there are some long hours, I'm grateful to have had this opportunity and I think others can make it work too in similar circumstances. I'm sure you've learned a lot just in your career in general. It sounds like a lot of, a lot of great and different opportunities, but um, 
anything that that you took away from your time at RMC that you sort of learned about yourself or just different things that that you found through your career? Yeah, so I mean at RMC, I mean I've been thinking about that question. I mean, I really appreciated the uh you know, the networking for sure, and that's what everyone told me. Um I would appreciate after which they were true, which was true. Um, you know, the friends like my good friends that I have now are still a lot of friends from RMC. I went running with my friend this morning. Um, we've been friends since basic training and, uh, you know, it's just nice to have those, those connections still. And, you know, on my, on my JCFP course, I ended up sitting beside a guy who I was in, um, you know, I did all my four years with and hadn't really kept right. up since then. But again, it was just really nice that we were kind of able to catch up. Like, you know, <laughs> like we just, uh, like the last 20 years hadn't, I, hadn't Hey, happened, I, you know? I found that with um, people's JCSP courses because I live in Toronto. And so we see all our friends with, okay. it's been a few years now, but there was a string of about five years where a bunch of our friends were going through and it, it is, it's just nice to reconnect. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just the, uh, the bit about, uh, you know, kind of being a team and everybody helping each other out. I mean, I didn't find that was always the case, but I think in general, Especially, at least with the military, that's what kind of kept me in, is I just feel like there's a sense of community and sense of everybody trying to help each other out. That's what I really, and I've heard from other friends who've gotten out that, you know, there's obviously lots of benefits to not being in the military as well, but one thing a lot of people miss is just that connection, you know, so. I would say 100% that's why I started the podcast, is because that sense of community, mm -hmm. it, it it doesn't exist to the same extent for those of us after we've left. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been great for me to sort of be able to reconnect with people that, that I went to school with, but also to, you know, expand that network and to grow it beyond, uh, especially living in Toronto that you don't find a lot of, uh, ex-military folks here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and like two, uh, quick example from the sort of community aspect. I mean, when we were in Petawawa, um, so yeah, my husband was deployed to Poland and he, he left, uh, like, you know, five weeks before I was supposed to have oh, my no. second child, but my daughter had come five weeks early. So basically he left on the day that I would have, you know, went into labor for my first child. So, was, you know, I wanted him to go cause it was a pretty good experience. Um, he was going to be a task force commander and opera assurance in Poland. But, uh, I was also kind of really wanted to have him there for the birth, um, you know, but I felt like all my colleagues really like pulled together just to kind of help support me. And like, you know, one of my, uh, one of my friends, you know, who wasn't even like a, you know, a super good friend at the time, but she was a, a friend. She offered to, you know, she's like, if you need me to like be there, like for the labor or at home, like, you know, whatever you need, just let me know. And I just thought like, that's, yeah. really nice you know I don't know if everyone would offer to do that um and then when we were moving from that anyway so and he ends up coming home uh ended up taking some compassionate leave and coming home uh and managed to uh be there for the birth which was good um but yeah and then a few months later when we sold our house and it just happened that we kind of we sold our house a few weeks before we took possession of our one in uh New Brunswick and uh so kind of just asked around to friends if anyone was interested in, or, you know, what we do in this situation. And a friend of mine just said, well, you can just come and live at our house for a few, few weeks. And I thought, 
that's a lot that's a lot to ask you know like yeah. <laughs> two young kids we had a a nanny like a live out nanny who was coming to help us out and I mean she was amazing but uh you know just to have us all in in this other person's space and I just really appreciated things like that and I felt like that was really the military community yeah I, and I think that that's an awesome that sense of community I'm curious you know sort of beyond the community but more in the mentorship and the networking how have you found the mentorship in your career because you're you graduated just more than 10 years after I did I I was 10 years after the first class of women and I'm always curious to hear about you know was it right away that you had mentorship or did it take a while before you started to notice it I mean the first thing I would say is I felt like really fortunate in my when I started on basic training, I had a really good group of girlfriends and, you know, I had a really good I think, platoon all together, but we were all really close. Um, but I felt like I had a really close group of girlfriends, you know, who I'm still close to now. And I guess I felt like we were able to kind of <laughs> mentor each other through a lot of these uh, things. Um, but, you know, as we kind of moved on and um, I guess, Specifically in the engineering side of things, I was also really fortunate to have, uh, there's about a group of women, um, you know, a few years ahead of me, uh, like quite a few, um, half a dozen or so, and and most of them are still in, actually. And so I thought that was really awesome because I could really, you know, each, I knew most of them fairly well kind of over the years. Right. And felt like I could kind of talk to them all about different aspects of, you know, one of them is a career couple just like us and, you know, our service couple, sorry. Um, and so they're going through the careers, you know, making different decisions. They were able to kind of help, um, you know, just kind of give us advice or guidance as to what they did. Um, yeah. And like just different, uh, different people had different things to kind of offer. Right. Um, so yeah, I really, I think I was really fortunate that way. And I did feel like I had um, people ahead of me, you know, and, yeah. and men as well. Um, so my CEO that I was mentioning at 4ESR, he just really was, I think, very interested in mentoring all his OCs and well, everybody that worked for him. And he really seemed like he gave me every opportunity that he could. Um, you know, it's funny because he would invite me to do things, which I, you know, he invited me to do the combat team commander's course. And I sort of said, well, can I say <laughs> no to your invitation? <laughs> Not a course I actually ever really wanted to do. Um, you know, but he was like, oh, I'm so, you know, envious of you because this was an awesome opportunity. And, and, and at the time, that course was going to be, like, not just for engineers. Everyone was getting the same qualification. Um, anyway, so, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting because he kind of seemed like he, he really looked for opportunities for me and and what I liked is that he didn't he was understanding if my personal circumstances wouldn't allow me to do them but he didn't count me out just because I had young kids yeah so another thing that he brought up which you know I don't even think I had heard about was um the governor general's leadership conference oh yeah um, I I which is like a three week have you heard yeah my my old boss took it from GM okay yeah, and so it's, you know, it's I'd never heard about this, and so he, you know, he encouraged me to apply, and he wrote my whatever letter of recommendation. Um, yeah, and I, I got picked, so I was really um, excited, and it's, you know, it's a three-week um, trip somewhere in 
in Canada and there's only four of us from New Brunswick and they pick different people. Like there's only four or five military total. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they have people from civilian sectors. Is it industry and academia as well? Yeah. 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 And a big focus on indigenous, like there's different indigenous members. Right. Um, you know, it was really interesting just to learn more about all these different facets of society that you wouldn't necessarily have seen before. So it started in Whistler, BC. And then my group, toured around Ontario, which was kind of ironic because uh, it was all where I grew up. And we actually went back to RMC, oh, wow. and visited, uh, <laughs> RMC in Kingston. And actually, my group was so bummed because we were supposed to do an obstacle course, and, and they were all really excited about that. And I was thinking, like, <laughs> I... Been there, done that? <laughs> not that excited to do it myself. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was really, uh, it was really good, a good experience. And then we ended in Ottawa. and uh, But because I was from New right. Brunswick, technically... You know, that's why I had yeah. been chosen for the Ottawa group. But, uh, yeah, I highly recommend it if anyone um, I know if anyone sees it come up again because I know it's been canceled because of COVID right. the last couple of years. But, um, yeah, it was a really good experience. So, anyway, I just felt like my CEO there just kind of threw me into whatever he saw was a good uh, opportunity. And, yeah, just really I appreciated that. Yeah, so I, I guess I feel like I've been I've been fortunate to have mentors in different ways. Um, I guess one other organization I was involved with was the Defense Women's Advisory Organization in Gagetown, and you know that was part of the Employment Equity Groups, which I had never really participated in before and didn't know much about. And I thought, well, what the heck? I'll go to one of these meetings and just kind of see um, because they're looking for people. And uh, they said, well, we're really looking for somebody to be you know, the co-chair. I said, well, that <laughs> seems like a lot of work. And I just starting as an OC and I got these two young kids and they're like, well, we don't really have anybody else. And are you, are you if you're interested? And so I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll do it. But I'm just, I'm worried because I have a lot of other things on my plate. Anyway, I, you know, it was a really great experience and I did do it for about two years. And, uh, you know, it was it with a civilian co-chair and um, it was just a really, I guess, great opportunity to meet other people who I wouldn't have crossed yeah. paths with otherwise. And, you know, I felt like in itself, that group was a good, we started a bit of mentoring, like within that group. And what I liked about it, it was like really encouraging towards, you know, men to join the group as well. Uh, we had a really good champion who was a CEO of um, Per Services, and he really promoted all of our events and everything. Um yeah, so it was really it was really good experience, and I would recommend uh, yeah getting involved in one of those groups for people as well, just as another kind of networking That's opportunity. That's fantastic. I love hearing about you know the fact that you had you know a women you know mentors that you could talk to and learn from, but also you know the the positive male mm-hmm. mentors because I think none of us who, you know, especially some that were even before my time would have gotten anywhere if there, if there weren't some positive male mentors as well. And so I think, I think it's awesome mm-hmm. that, that you've gotten to experience both and also paying it forward too. The one other thing I, I wanted to sort of maybe wrap up with is you, you talked earlier about community and that sense of community, but I think 
before when you and I were talking, you'd mentioned a little bit about, you know, bringing together all of the the community in the sense of like spouses of military members. And I, I maybe just want to give you a, a little bit mm-hmm. of a chance to talk about that a bit more. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, when I started at 1CR in Edmonton, the uh, CO secretary had been there uh, for quite a while. Like she was a staple in the unit, uh, Usha. And um she had a spouses group that she ran and it was spouses and at the time women that were part of the unit because there weren't very many. And, you know, she would meet maybe you know, once a month and do things like just different, you know, book club or barbecue and that sort of thing. And I really liked that because I otherwise wouldn't have necessarily had a, a network of women. And so I just really appreciated how she included, you know, she made that a point and if people didn't know anyone else, they at least had that group to to go with. So I kind of took that forward with me from then on because, you know, I didn't see that same thing happening at other units per se. So kind of tried to do my best to kind of put it together where I could. And because I just really feel it's so important for spouses to be on board with, you know, with a military member. And you really can't do that if they're not included. So, you know, and I was really happy that some of the messes mm-hmm. actually had, you know, kids were allowed to come to the mess um, because, I remember being on maternity leave in Petawawa and my husband would go to the mess and I'd be kind of with this one-year-old or less less than one-year-old and kind of just waiting for him to get home. And so, you know, I thought it was really nice when we were able to be involved and kind of meet at the mess. And um, so, yeah, when I got to Toronto, a friend of mine had said, well, we sometimes run this uh, kid zone and where the kids can come to the mess, but, you know, it's a lot of work and I, I don't know if I would recommend it just because it's, you know, it's good overall, but it is quite a lot to take on while you're trying to do all your schoolwork. And so, you know, I kind of brought everyone together that had kids and said, is this something that people are interested in having? And they were like, <laughs> yes. You know, is anyone else interested in doing it? No. But <laughs> but we'll kind of help if, if, oh, if you do it. So so people did help a ton. And I just kind of ran this kid zone where, uh, I mean, it was a lot of work. And um, But the nice thing was, you know, we had, right. we had all sorts of exchange officers, you know, that came and they didn't know, you know, anybody else in Toronto for the most part. So having them come, you know, with their spouse and be able to drop the kids off in one right. like safe spot. And, you know, some of the kids were babysitting age, so they were able to be babysitters. And so kind of pulling that all together just so they can have like a bit of time at the mess together, I felt like was really a positive uh, thing. So I really, you know, I just think going forward, everything we do needs to have kind of a community aspect to it and try to find a way to kind of involve all the, uh, the family. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was passionate about that. So I did do my master's uh, thesis on operationalizing uh, childcare yeah. in order to increase our readiness, just because it's so hard to find, find the balance and find ways to take care of, you know, our kids while we're, we're also trying to be deployed. <laughs> I only, you know, experienced that secondhand because um, I didn't have kids until after I left the forces. But I had a member, a master corporal who was supposed to deploy, but I can't remember if she was a single mom or if her spouse was also deployed. But the situation was that, like, she had no childcare and no access to childcare for her son. And it feels like that yeah. hasn't changed a ton in the last 25 years. No, I mean, it, it is kind of unfortunate. I learned a lot during my paper, which I was doing, you know, 
during the pandemic while my kids were online schooling. Oh, and, man. <laughs> you were living the dream. <laughs> it was very ironic. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just getting help. Like I just, you know, we've been really fortunate to find people throughout the years that have we've been able to hire to help us to a certain extent. But that's not easy for everybody. And we also had bad luck with that as well. I mean, our nanny oh, we hired in Toronto left the first week, of course, and uh, we had to find a new one right before I was going away. So, you know, it's it's not easy. And uh, and that's just things you have to do kind of on your own time to make it work, right? So, yeah, I just say, like, it's it's a tough thing. And we're some of it we're bound by policy. But some things I, I do feel like the leadership can do a better job of just being a bit more compassionate and mm-hmm. creating that space where the community comes together. You know, if, if the unit, people in the unit don't know each other, well, how do they know yeah. who to call if they need help, right? And that, that just ends up people can't deploy and then you're not effective. So it's kind of win-win for everybody. Well, on that note, speaking of helping everyone, before we leave and wrap up mm-hmm. today, is there any advice that you would like to leave our listeners with? Um, so I guess just, yeah, talking with other people, like this is a great opportunity. I really appreciate uh, you having me on and, you know, doing this for everybody. So I, I think it's great to encourage people to to talk. And, uh, you know, with the mentorship, sometimes you do have to ask. You know, sometimes I've just actually reached out again and said, you know, I really think you'd be helpful um, with this decision. And, uh, and, and and people were happy to do that. But sometimes they won't necessarily, you know, sometimes you do have to ask. Yeah. Just getting help, I guess, when you might need it, just to make your life a bit easier. And a reason for every decision and posting, even if it's not obvious at the time. So, you know, sometimes it doesn't seem like the right, uh, I don't know, it doesn't seem like Petawa was the best posting, but then it does become one. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's it. And I'm just going to try to encourage my friends to uh, sign up for this, uh, to be on the podcast as well. (laughs) Awesome. I would love to have them. It's been great getting to know you, Heather, and to have you on the podcast. And thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Women's Mentoring Network of Canada podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to us at wmncanada at gmail.com or on Instagram. Special thanks to our podcast editor, Ethan Kowenka.